You're listening to a sermon from St. John's Anglican in Cranbourne. To find out more about us, head to cranbourneanglican.org.au. The sun had been up for some hours over the city of David. And pilgrims and visitors had streamed in through the gate, mixing with merchants who'd come from villages round about and with shepherds down from the hills. The gnarled streets of Jerusalem were crowded. Here was an old man bent under his years, muttering as he pushed his way through the crowd. Uh, There, men and women and young children uh, playing games and calling to one another in their shrill voices. Men and women with their burdens, casks of wine, water bags, baskets of vegetables, and there were tradesmen with their tools as well. There was a donkey standing under his burden in the sun and a merchant under a small canopy calling out his wares. It was not easy to make one's way through the crowd that day. But it was especially difficult for a procession that started from the governor's palace. At its head, a Roman centurion rode, disdainful and aloof, scorn alike for child or cripple that stood in his way. He watched with half-shut eyes and at the shouting and jeering crowd. Before him went two legionnaires, clearing the crowd aside with curses and careless blows. Between the two files of soldiers staggered three condemned men, each carrying a heavy bar of wood with its cross piece on which he was to be executed and it was hard to keep pace for the pace was slow and the soldiers were impatient to get it over. Come along, we don't have all day. The crosses were heavy, however. And the first of the victims was at the point of collapse. He had been scourged, he'd been lashed with leather, a leather whip in the thongs of which had been placed rough pieces of lead. The carpenter followed with his ladder and his nails. And they all moved forward out of the courtyard of Pilate's palace and made for one of the gates leading out of the city. The sun was hot. The sweat poured down the face of Jesus and he swayed now and then underneath the weight of the cross. A group of women went with the procession. Their faces half hidden by their veils but their grief could not be hidden. Some of them were sobbing aloud, others were praying and Others moaning in that deep grief that knows not what to say or what to do. Some of them had little children by the hand and they kept saying over and over again, he healed my child. He, he touched with a touch they could see. What harm is there in that? Another woman says, he brought my child to life again. Why do you kill him? And there were men too who followed as closely as they could, men who walked with the strange steps of 
men to whom walking was not yet familiar. And others who still carried sticks in their hands, who did not use them as they once had to tap their way through the towns and the cities. Men who had been blind and now, through habit, carried sticks and who, strangely enough, were blind again, only this time with tears. Their lips were moving in prayers and their hearts were heavy, but there was nothing that they could do. For most of the crowd hardly knew what was going on. They could not understand. They were carried along in the mob spirit. They were swept along. They shouted to the first of the three victims, the one with the ridiculous crown on his head, twisted from a branch of the long-thorned briar that lacerated his scalp and made blood mingle with the sweat. They shouted at him and until they were roughly pushed aside by the soldiers and then some of them started to shout at the soldiers as well. Little children, encouraged by their elders, joined in the shouting as the procession went along the way that would forever be known as the Via Della Rosa. Meanwhile, Outside the city, all unsuspecting, Simon of Cyrene had almost reached the gate. He had just arrived in Judea and was about to enter the holy city as a pilgrim of the festival. He'd spent the night in the village not too far away and he'd woken early and bathed and dressed carefully, trying to contain the excitement of finally being able to see Jerusalem. And he would see all the sights that had been described to him by exiles far away from home. And he would see those things with his own eyes. And he walked along the winding path that sometimes ran through fields. And sometimes along the tortuous course of a dried up riverbed. The morning sun climbed higher and higher. As he neared the city gate... He began to hear shouting that grew louder and louder and there seemed to Simon to be some sort of beat to it. Some sort of rhythm, some sort of chant that he thought sounded like crucify, crucify, crucify. And they met right at the city gate, Simon of Cyrene and that crowd. He found that the procession was headed by some Roman soldiers, but he had little time to get any impression of what was happening. And as for asking questions, that was impossible. He couldn't make himself heard over all the noise, the confusion that seemed so violent and so terrible. It was a sinister, throbbing malice in the atmosphere, and Simon shuddered. And then he was aware of two moving walls of Roman steel between which there staggered a man carrying a cross. And then he saw there were three men, but it was one, one in particular, that caught his attention. He thought there must be something strange about it all. But before he could understand it, he was caught up in the procession and swept out through the gate again. He was excited and afraid and somehow helpless. He was puzzled and he was ill at ease. He scanned each face looking for some word of explanation, some smile, some friendliness, but he found none. 
the whole atmosphere was drama and cruelty. The horror of it all crept over him like a clammy mist and he shivered. He'd been captured by the procession, stumbling along, tightly wedged in the very heart of it, walking along beside the three men who staggered under the weight of crosses of heavy wood on which Simon knew that they were soon to be executed. Each man was bent beneath the burden he carried and perspiration ran down each drawn face. But that one, that one to whom he'd been so attracted, that one that was strangely appealing, it was a face that arrested him and Simon felt his gaze returning again and again to that one face. He noticed that blood was trickling down from wounds on the brow and then he saw what caused it. A twig of long thorned briar twisted around in the shape of a crown and pushed down onto his head. And then he looked up. And his eyes, almost blinded by the blood that trickled down from under that grotesque crown on his head. Why didn't, why didn't someone wipe away the blood? And as Simon looked at him, he looked at Simon and the eyes of those two met. How did Christ know what was in Simon's heart? What was it that made him smile, that slow, sad smile? That seemed to say so much to Simon. That seemed to calm his wildly beating heart, that look that passed between Simon and them and him. Simon never forgot as long as he lived, for no one can look into the face of Jesus and be the same. Again, just as these two looked at each other, the man with the cross stumbled and the soldiers, driven more by impatience than by pity, laid hands on Simon and forced him to lift it up. Simon's heart almost stopped beating. He was too excited to speak. Why, just a few minutes before, a lonely pilgrim entering into Jerusalem, but see him now. His shoulders stooped under the weight of a cross on which this man, this man with the arresting face, was soon to die in the midst of a procession of howling men and women walking between two moving walls of steel and carrying on his shoulders another man's cross. The look of gratitude and love that flashed from the eyes of Jesus as Simon lifted the load from his tired, bleeding shoulders did something to the man of Cyrene that day. And in an instant, his life was changed. Uh, Simon could never explain it afterwards. Uh, some things you just can't explain. He could never tell exactly how it happened, how all at once he understood the meaning of pain. He understood the significance of suffering. The meaning of prayer was unveiled and the messages of Scripture, the passages that he'd memorized as a child, suddenly came alive and he could understand it in an entirely new way. He saw what they meant for the first time. It was as if a light had been turned on in his heart and in his mind and in his soul, as if divine illumination had given him meanings and significances he had missed until now. He understood 
And somehow he was glad. And yet his gladness, his joy was deeply touched with sorrow. And so they came to Calvary. They call it Golgotha. And locals in Jerusalem, if people came to visit, might point it out and say, if you see it in a certain way, it resembles the shape of a skull, doesn't it? It was a place to be avoided. It was where two great highways converged on the city of Jerusalem, and down in the valley just below, there was constantly burning the rubbish and the terrible smoke And the terrible stench of it would waft over the hill of Golgotha. That was the place of public executions. And that was the place where the procession stopped. Only as the nails were driven in did the shouting stop. There was a hush. Because most of them were stunned and horrified. Even the hardest of them were silenced. It's not pleasant to watch nails being driven into human flesh. Mary, his mother, stopped her ears and turned away her head. They could hear the echo across the Kidron Valley, the hammer blows. Simon of Cyrene, from time to time, wiped away the tears. With the back of his hand, Peter stood on the fringe of the crowd until hot tears filled his eyes and his heart broke in pieces. John stood beside Mary and supported her. The other women were weeping. But as soon as the Nazarene had mounted his last pulpit, as soon as the cross had fallen with a thud into the pit that they had dug for it, the shouting broke out again. There were some who had followed him once who had been attracted by the charm of this wonder worker, there were many there who had received bread from his hands. And now they shouted taunts at him. They remembered what he had said, and now they hurled his sayings back into his teeth. They threw them up at him like barbed arrows of hate and malice, promises that he had made, predictions that he had said, eternal truths that had fallen from his lips. They stabbed and wounded him with things he himself had said. He saved others. He could not save himself. Come on down from the cross. Miracle man, come down from the cross. You did all sorts of miracles. Why not one more? Ah, you who would build the temple again in three days. Oh, Mr. Carpenter, you have nails in your hands now, but no hammer. Come on down. Save yourself. Older than Father Abraham, are you? Older than Father Abraham? Well, you're very old now, but young enough to escape if you want to do one more miracle. Come on down and we'll believe in you. They shouted until they were hoarse. And the noise was so great that only a few of them standing near the cross heard what he said when his lips moved in prayer. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. One of the thieves 
crucified with him, drugged and half drunk, added his voice to the crowd. Can you see how we suffer? If you are the son of God, save yourself at us. And he began to curse and swear until his companion turned his head to him. And he rebuked him. What has this man done to deserve this? We are under the same condemnation. So do you know you not fear God? We are here condemned because of what we did. But this man's done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus, his face drawn with pain, but his voice still kind, answered, This very day, you will be in paradise with me. And the man comforted set his lips to endure to the end. The sun rose higher and higher, time oozed out like the blood that dripped from the cross. And Jesus opened his eyes and he saw his mother standing there and John beside her and he called out the name of John who came closer and Jesus said, you will take care of her, John. And John choked with tears, put his arms around the shoulders of Mary, and Jesus said to his mother, He will be your son. His lips were parched, and he spoke with difficulty. And it became strangely dark. It felt like the gathering of a great storm. The people looked up at the sky and became frightened, and mothers gathered their children and hurried into Jerusalem, wanting to escape before the storm broke. It was an uncanny darkness. It had never been this dark before. Something terrible must be about to happen. Women stood praying for Jesus and for the thieves. The centurion was silent, although every now and then he would look up at Jesus with a strange look in his eye. The soldiers were silent too. Their gambling had finished. They had won and lost. And suddenly Jesus opened his eyes. And he gave a loud cry, and the gladness in his voice startled all who heard it, for it sounded like the cry of victory. It is finished. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And with that cry, he died. We were all there that day on top of the hill. The friends of Jesus and his enemies. The church people, they were there as well as the people who never go to church. The priests were there and the scribes, the religious elite, they were there pulling their robes together, folding their hands approvingly at what happened. They were there. The people who are always talking about church, And always talking about the Lord, the pious people on whose lips are always 
uh, glib quotations from the Bible. They were there too. And the unbelievers were there. They were standing there beside them. The prostitutes were there and their customers were there too. They were all there. Simon of Cyrene, the soldiers, Peter was there, John, Andrew, James, Thomas, Philip, Matthew, Bartholomew, they were all there. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? When we consider who were there and when we're honest really with ourselves, we know that we were there. And we helped to put Christ there. Because every attitude present on that hill 2,000 years ago was present here today among us. And every emotion that tugged at the human heart then tugs at the human heart still. And every face that was there is here too. And every voice that shouted then is shouting still. Every human being was represented on the cross. Every sin was in a nail or the point of a spear or the thorns. And pardon for them all was in the blood that was shed. 2,000 years have passed away, but this day, this day endures. Calvary still stands, and you and I actually erect the cross again and again and again every time we sin, and the hammer blows are still echoing somewhere in the caverns of your heart and of mine. Every time we deny him, every time we sin against him or fail to do what he commanded, every time we just live as though he has nothing to do with us. We add our darkness to the darkness and the pain of that day. And God adds his grace. And God adds his mercy to you and to me and he extends his love to you and to me afresh. Would you look at him and see that he died for you, that the punishment that was meant to be for you, he took, and so you can live? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? I was. Were you?